Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. We continue the theme of praise by hearing Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. When I was a professor at the School of Theology at Mercer University, one of my colleagues in the work, uh, Roger Olson, was a professor at the Truett Seminary at Baylor University. I I think Dr. Olson is still at Baylor, but he teaches some also in the undergraduate program there. And one year he had the idea, he may do this every year, but he took his undergraduate class to uh, different Christian worship services around Waco so they could experience different forms of worship, kind of enhance their appreciation for different ways of worshiping God. So they would do a little in the classroom beforehand to prepare, then they would go worship, and then the next week they would kind of talk about what they had experienced. Well, one Sunday he took his group to the Eastern Orthodox Easter Divine Liturgy, which was not in their normal tradition. Because it was Easter time, the cathedral was packed. and So Dr. Olson had made arrangements for a pew in the back to be uh, sectioned off just for his class. They had room. But he had forgot to mention in class earlier one of the traditions of this church. At the end, every, every Sunday... They come down and receive the bread of fellowship. It's kind of like coming down for communion, but they did communion more irregularly. But every week they came with their hands open and received the bread of fellowship. Well, the folks start lining to go forward. His class gets in the line. He remembers he hadn't told them about this. And he's hoping that they pick up on kind of the rhythms and the way this goes. You put your hands out like this. And the minister says, Christ is risen. And the response is, he is risen indeed. And everybody gives the same response. He's hoping they picked up on it, only not all of them picked up on it. One girl in his class, right in front of him, uh, so he could hear, goes up to receive. And the minister says, Christ is risen. And this girl from South Texas says, he sure is. (laughs) I suppose that's Texas, for he is risen indeed. 
But it did get to her celebration about it. We're still in the season of Easter. We're back in church to celebrate the resurrection again. But this Sunday is a little different. Most Sundays, the claims of the risen Christ on our lives is at the center of our worship. Each Sunday, we take one scripture. I usually try to distill our passage into one focus so that we can make clear the gospel's claim on us. We stand under the light of the holy book. We hear a call to be more loving, more righteous, more disciplined, more generous. Some of the stories stretch us to a deeper piety and some stories toward a wider purpose. And we come and yield our stubborn will to the disclosed will of God, subject ourselves to the Lordship of Christ, and try to bend our nasty little lives to the light of God's promise. But today is a little different. Sometimes it's good just to throw a party. Sometimes it's good just to soak in the tub of God's abundant goodness, whoop, holler, praise, and just let it go. Today is our occasion to be glad and seen, to just be reminded that we are all inheritors of the promise, heirs to God's kingdom, loved children who live in God's grace. Christ is risen, and today we just shout, He sure is. The New Testament scholar uh, N.T. Wright uh, one day was in a taxi cab in London. The traffic was terrible. It's stop and go. He's sitting in the back in all of his bishop's garb, and the cabbie recognizes that he's dressed up in all the church regalia. The cabbie keeps turning back to him to talk. Are you in the Church of England then? Dr. Wright says, yes, yes, I am. Bit of a rough time you're having over women uh, bishops, aren't you? And he, and he was right. At, at that time, there was a big controversy in the Anglican Church about women becoming bishops. So Dr. Wright says, yes, you're, you're right about that. Well, now they come to a complete stop in traffic. The cabbie turns completely around and says, you know, the way I figure it, if God actually raised Jesus from the dead... Everything else is just rock and roll. (laughs) So today we're stepping back from the details of the text to just celebrate that if God actually raised Jesus from the dead, everything else is just rock and roll. All of our disappointments and trials, shame and pettiness, disagreements and biases just fall like empty rags at the mouth of an empty tomb. And our psalm today that instructs us takes that tone. It is just pure joy and gratitude. Celebration for the goodness and provision of God. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. That's the tone. Sometimes I think it's fun to look at a passage of Scripture And see who gets the good verbs. Try that sometime. Just look through and see who gets what verbs. I used to think every sentence had verbs. 
Uh, that's what I was taught. But I graded some papers when I was a professor. Found out that's not necessarily true. <laughs> but in this psalm, the earth gets one verb. The earth has yielded its increase. And all of the other verbs belong either to God or to us. Here are the verbs of God's action in this psalm. God is gracious. God blesses. God makes his face to shine upon us. God judges people fairly and guides the nations. God has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. And our response, the tone of our celebration today, you and I get some good verbs too. This is our response to God's blessing and fairness and graciousness. Let the peoples praise you. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. Sometimes it's good to just be glad and sing. The earth has yielded its increase, which means you and I have enough. Be glad and sing. God continues to bless and to provide. Be glad and sing. Praise is the central theme of more than 20 of the Psalms. The the word psalm comes from the Greek. But as you know, the psalms were first the hymnal of the Hebrews. The psalms were their hymn book when they put this collection together. And in Hebrew, the collection is called Telim, the book of praises. There's praise everywhere. Why this many praise psalms? 20 plus? Why over and over does their hymnal have praise? I like C.S. Lewis's response. He says, it's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than a tin can in the ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. The delight is incomplete till it's expressed. So we gather to worship, to give praise to God because our delight is incomplete till we get in here with each other and offer up our thanksgiving. Well, you know that there is a contemporary worship tradition called praise and worship in which every worship service is marked by hymns and songs of praise. I am neither critic nor advocate of that worship style. For me, the warp and wolf of worship should give expression to all the human experience. The Psalms, the ancient hymnal, also has psalms of lament. 
Sometimes when we get together in worship, we ought to just have a good cry together. Or in Lent, when we get together and look at our sinfulness and the shame of our betrayal, we don't end up singing songs of gladness. But sometimes, like today, sometimes we need to just look to the heavens, lift up our soul, and offer our praise. But to be clear, praise is not rooted in happiness. Praise is not about how I feel or how things happen to be going for me at the time. Praise flows out of the acknowledgement of the attributes of God. God's provision, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's capacity to reclaim what is broken, to bring life from death. The psalmist says, you judge people fairly. Your earth continues to yield its increase. God continues to be steadfast and loving and holds us and reclaims us and adopts us as heirs to the kingdom. And that's news we need to share. It bubbles up. As C.S. Lewis said, the delight's incomplete until we express it. Our praise of God satisfies something in us too. There's something that's completed when we just say it to each other. And as we say it to each other, as we remind each other of the attributes of God, We are informing a reminder of God's rock-solid love. We're resting again in the promise of our forgiveness, in the unchanging love of God. Praise reminds us that God's earth was yielding increase in ancient ancient Israel. And son of a gun, we're going to have fresh tomatoes again this year too. Because that's the way God is. Praise reminds us that God has always provided what we need, always provided what we need. In fact, there are two holy and important byproducts of praise. Awe and gratitude. Our focus on the attributes of God reframes the way we experience even the ordinary. Praise for God's wonderful work in the world sharpens our attention so that we see the world in a different way. We start to look for awe and wow. The author Anne Lamott says, try walking around with a child who's going, wow, wow, look at that dirty dog. Look at that burned down house. Look at that red sky. And the child points, and you look, and you see, and you start going, wow, look at that crazy, huge hedge. Look at that teeny little baby. Look at the scary, dark cloud. I think this is how we are supposed to be in the world, she says, present and in awe. But another byproduct of our praise is gratitude. When we praise and sing, 
and acknowledge God's renewing provision, it always turns to gratitude. The earth yields its increase, and God keeps on providing. And when we give praise for that, our fists release, our panic subsides, God's renewing spirit of generosity enters us, and we move from not only being recipients of God's blessing, but agents of God's blessing. There's an old Jewish legend. This story isn't factual, but you know that things don't have to be factual to be true. Long ago, when the world was very young, there were two brothers who shared a farm. They had one field in between them. They each had a house on either side of the field, and they had a storehouse for the grain on both of their properties on each side. And every day after they had threshed the grain, they divided it evenly after the harvest right down the middle. Well, one of the brothers was a bachelor. The other one was married. The one who was married had lots of children. And one day it occurred to the bachelor, the single brother, it really isn't fair that we divide the grain exactly down the middle. Because I only have myself to feed, my brother has all those children to provide for. So every night, the single brother would fill a sack of grain from his storehouse and walk it across the field and secretly pour it into his brother's supply. Well, about the same time, the married brother also thought, you know, it really isn't fair that we divide the grain exactly in half. I have plenty of children to care for me when I'm old, but my brother has no one to care for him when he's old. He needs to be putting something aside for the future. So every night, he would take a sack of grain from his supply walk it across the field, and secretly put it into his brother's storehouse. Well, as you can imagine, every morning the brothers are astonished because their supply of grain has been miraculously replenished over the night. And they gave thanks to God. And, as you might also imagine, one night in the moonlight, when one brother is going across and the other brother is going across, They ran into each other in the middle. Immediately they understand what's been happening all this time. They put down their sacks. They embrace each other. They are overwhelmed with love and with gratitude. And according to the Jewish legend, God looked down at that moment and was so pleased with these two brothers that God said, this is the holiest of places. This is where I want my temple one day to stand. And the legend says that the brother's field was the site where Solomon's temple was eventually built. Okay, it's a legend. But the part that's true is that grateful people are generous people. And nothing may be closer to the heart of God than when our worship and our praise turns to generosity. Those who gather to sing and be glad, to praise and revere God, to give thanks for God's ongoing blessing, inevitably become people of blessing themselves. 
I mentioned earlier in the sermon that this sermon is a departure. There is no charge. There's no confrontation. There's no call to action. Most sermons end with a challenge to do something out there to help a hurting world. But remember, all the action verbs in today's scripture call us to praise. That's all. Praise. He is risen. He sure is. Praise praise will eventually give way to generosity that will change the world. But for today... For today we simply lift our hearts to the eternal one and give thanks for the bounty and the provision and the love of God to be glad and sing. So let's be glad and stand and sing together. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.